Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's interview is with Sam Calderon, a former All-American at St. Cloud State University. We discuss running in Minnesota growing up, including the details of her coldest run ever, plus chasing an OTQ, how motherhood has changed her as a runner, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview, which was recorded live at the Good Life Havesy Expo with Sam Calderon. Sam Calderon, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for stopping by. We're here at the uh, Good Life Havesy Expo, and I begin every podcast by asking my guest about how their most recent run went. I've had a lot of conversations with folks today about the shakeout run that I believe you led today. How did I that did. go? Yeah, it was great. I met like at least five new people, which is my favorite thing on a run. So Absolutely. it was really fun. But it was a good, we actually ran on a really nice trail. Good. We like went over a bridge and we were on some nice like crushed gravel. So it was great. And it seems like the weather was good, which is always important. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yes. It's good for the folks today that they don't have the stress of the weather tomorrow. It seems like it's going to be a good Sunday in Lincoln. It's going to be the most ideal running conditions. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about why you're here before we get into your running journey. Why are you here at the uh, Good Life Havsey? Yeah, I'm here with Ultra. So I run with Ultra on their development team and I got asked to come and like help with this 12 weeks. I've been hopping on every Friday with Ultra for 12 weeks and giving them some tips and advice. And then I got to come out to run. So I'm actually going to be running with my dad tomorrow, which is fun. So he's racing and we're going to be running together. Very, very cool. How long have you been with them? Um, with Ultra, this is my first year. So I it started at the beginning of the year. That is so cool. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, you grew up in Minnesota, I right? Did. Yep. What, what is the running journey like of someone who grows up in Minnesota? Because you have to be really dedicated given that it can be very cold and very snowy uh, and treadmills are boring. So what was that like for you when you were growing yeah. up? I mean, I know my coldest, I know the temperature of my coldest run. It was negative 42. Oh I'll my never gosh. forget it. Um, but I, I started running in high school. So I was like a 400 meter runner in track. Um, like freshman year and I just wasn't very good and then I finally convinced my coaches to let me run a mile and I was a lot better at that and then two mile and I actually didn't join cross country till I was a junior in high school so kind of later for wow. high school um, but then I ran in college moved out to Boulder to run all of that um, so in college we ran I, I was just telling someone the other day um, my senior year me and my other senior teammate made everyone run outside every day we didn't do any <laughs> treadmills at, or even like we had this dome to run around in and we did not let them do it. We ran outside every day. So. I am I am someone, as long as I can like not worry about my footing, yep. I am totally fine with being outside even if the t – now I've never done negative 42. Um, but yeah, I'd rather do that than a treadmill, yeah. especially for a long run on the weekend. Yeah, 100%. And like I live in Boulder now, so like to me I'm like there is no day too <laughs> cold not to run in Boulder. But I think a lot of people would disagree with me, but – I think I saw a post that you had on Instagram at some point over the last couple of years where you're like, I had my best run in a while. And of course it was because it's the coldest day around here. So it yes. seems like you really respond well to that. What was <laughs> that what, what was that run like when it's negative 42? What, tell me about that run. How far did you go? Was it a workout? Was it an easy run? What do you remember about it? I, so I, I grew up like 20 minutes from where I went to college. So I would sometimes go home to do my long runs with my sister or something. And so I was driving home and I was actually going to go to the gym and do my long run on the treadmill because it was negative 42. <laughs> but I saw these people I know, they're like an older group of runners in St. Cloud, and they were out on their run. 
and I was in my car, and I was like, well, if they're running outside, I'm <laughs> running outside. So I got home, and I, like, put at least two pairs of pants on, like, jacket, and I told my parents I was going to do loops around our neighborhood, so, like, if something happened. Very safe. Yes. And my dad made me put Vaseline on my face on any parts that were exposed. And I think I did like two mile loops. And then I actually ended up getting hot. Like, I think I took layers off because I was warm. So, yeah, it was it was cold. But that's what I remember about it. That's <laughs> I'll never awesome. forget that. Oh, no, yeah. no. As long as you live. So it, it seems like you were pretty taken to running early. What, what do you think it was about it that, that drew you in? Yeah, I think like something for me that was cool was like, I didn't have a lot of speed, so, like, we would do 200s, and I was, like, okay at them, but I could do a lot of them. Like, I loved that I think I could I could outwork people, yes. even if I wasn't as talented as them. And that was, like, you know, my freshman or sophomore year of high school, and I think I learned that really early of, like, okay, well, if I'm not faster than people, I can work harder than them. And that is, like, what distance running is. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Brick by brick, everyday consistency. Yeah. Uh, is there a moment then where you realize – I am kind of talented at this, or I the hard work, whatever, where, where it could be something beyond high school. What, what When does that happen yeah. for you? Yeah, well, I think, so I told you, like, I finally kind of convinced my coaches to let me run a mile. I was doing, like, 400s and 800s, and I was okay, but I did my first mile in, like, a 531, I think, something where it was, like, I had broke the school record, which... I went to Sock Rapids. Um, our school records weren't super fast, <laughs> but um, I like ran a really good first mile and then I started doing the two mile and I think my junior year when I was doing cross country and like you know getting in the top five in races and it was my first year doing it I was like I think if I you know trained for a while I could be pretty good at this and then in high school I was really like for sure gonna run in college yeah um and then in college it was like I was always better at the longer stuff. So when I ran a fast 10K, I was like, you know, I think I could try to qualify for the Olympic trials. So it was always just like, there was always one more thing where I was like, well, if I can do this, I think I could do a little more. It's a great mindset to have. Yeah. Why St. Cloud State? Uh, well, it was close to home at the time. And I had, I actually like almost committed to NDSU. Um, that was my other option. Uh -huh. And I just kind of last minute was like, no, I think I want to go to St. Cloud State. Um, and I ended up meeting my husband there. He wrestled at St. Cloud State. So it was it was a great choice. I loved my teammates. My coaches were great. Um, so I'm really glad that I chose it. But it was like I was almost fully committed to go to NDSU. And like the day I had to decide, I changed my mind. Wow. So. Talk about a fork in the road moment for your life. Yeah. Husband, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're a mom as well it's now. It's so true. So it's just like everything changes. Mm -hmm. uh, you were a three-time All-American? Yes. If Once I remember right. cross country and then twice in track. Uh, the, the, the idea of competition and competing against competitors other runners versus yourself what do you think that that balance was like for you as you were able to reach those high heights yeah I think like I I am pretty competitive so I think like I always had goals for myself but they were placing like I always wanted to be an all-american and to be an all-american it's place it's not time so you do have to be in the top eight at um at nationals mm -hmm. and so it was like competing against people for that spot but it was like because of my internal goal so I don't know if that makes sense but it was like my drive because I wanted to be in the top eight was more than just like beating people absolutely yeah, yeah that makes sense yeah. what were what were your teammates like they were great um yeah they're so sweet I still you know like we've gone to each other's weddings all of that um and you just have like such a bond when you especially when you run in negative 
30 degrees together every it's gonna day. bring some people together yeah so they were really sweet um one of my like very best friends her name is Mackenzie. but she was also like local high school so we ran against each other in high school very cool and then we like got to be teammates at St. Cloud together for a couple years so that was really cool y you mentioned in high school you're asking your coach I want to do more I want to do more so I'm guessing that the upping of mileage from high school to college just in terms of like weekly mileage I'm guessing that you really like doing that totally yeah like in high school I think my highest mileage week was maybe 25 miles and I actually coach at Boulder High uh, now in oh, Boulder cool. and so it is funny to see like how much how much more they did than I did in high school like I was like oh my goodness I think my longest run in high school was like six maybe eight miles one time and like some of our guys ran up to like 12 miles so anyways I had very low mileage in high school and then in college I ran 70 80 miles a week so it was like a pretty drastic difference. How do you think your body handled that that increase? I was never injured in college. Post collegiate has been very different. Uh -huh. But in college I never missed a race because of an injury, not once. That's I never awesome. redshirted nothing. Uh, you mentioned and I'm gonna read off my computer for just a moment, but you mentioned a second ago just like you know, when you when you have a really fast 10K, then you're like, hey, maybe the OTQ is in my card. So yeah. I was listening to an interview recently with a guy named Jeff Cunningham. He's a coach down in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And he said that he has discussed the idea of, like, college runners, they should finish their career and they should get into the marathon as soon as possible instead of, like, scratching and clawing to do something in the 5K or the 10K. Uh, it seems like that decision for you, I guess, was pretty easy. What was... Was the decision solely on the OTQ, or was it you wanted to run the longer distance, or I guess kind of marrying those two things together? Yeah, I think I've always just liked longer stuff, and yeah. so I I didn't really have a ton of plans for after college, um, you know, early on. So I I always wanted to run a marathon after I graduated college. Like that was just always my goal, because um, they wouldn't let me do it in college. So I was like, the second <laughs> I graduate, I'm running a marathon. But that was before I really had any dreams of like still running competitively after. So I did end up doing the Grandma's Marathon mm -hmm. three weeks after the 10K at night. Nationals, and I ran a 255, but I like, I, my longest run was 17 miles. I think I took two goos the whole time. Like I was not doing any marathon specific training. Total novice in terms of yes. all that stuff. Yeah. Totally. Like even I look at the shoes, I, like nothing. <laughs> I was not wearing super shoes, nothing. And so I think I was like, wait, if I actually train for this specifically and fuel and like learn some more, I think I could cut off 10 minutes. Um, so I think that was more where, you know, to call, qualify for the Olympic trials in the 10K, I would have had to cut off two and a half minutes uh -huh. and in a shorter time frame. So it just felt more realistic for me. That is that is so interesting to hear. Uh, I, I just, I love talking about that with, with like post-college runners because some of them are like, I need a break. Yeah. Others are like, no, I want to do this. Do you think your uh, naivete in a way, did that help you with that first marathon? I think so. I think... Yeah, totally. I also think because I joined running later, like I, it's not something I'd been doing since I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like 16 before I really started running at all. And so I think that helped delay some of the like burnout sense after college. But then, yeah, going into the marathon, I had no idea what to expect. Like by mile 17, I was like, well, this is the longest run I've ever done in my <laughs> life. And I think some of that is, yeah, you just you just go into it with no expectations. And so it ends up going like pretty well. Do you think that mentally, like, so obviously it helped you in that moment. How did you then respond to that mentally? Because I've talked to, I've talked to runners before, including one, I mentioned that same coach to a guy named Alex Burks in October. 
and how he ran a 216 or whatever outside the window. And so uh -huh. he's like, all right, well, cool, I'll just do it again. And then he didn't, and he didn't. Yeah. And suddenly then it's getting in his own head. What was that like for you after that? Did, it, did that naivete help you, or did it end up maybe hurting you over the next few months or years? I think what helped was I had so much time. So I ran that race, the grandma's race, in 2017, and the window didn't open until 2018. Sure. So I knew, like, I was going to try to qualify in January of 2018, but I still had, like, a year and a half after that if it didn't go well. So I'm like, I'm going to try, but, like, I'll have plenty of chances after that. So I think there was less pressure because it wasn't like, I have to do this at this one or I'm going to miss the mark. Um, so that probably helped you. I did. I ran 244.44. So, I mean, I was like 16 <laughs> seconds under. But, yeah, I think that did help of just being like, well, if this one doesn't go well, I'll have, I have a year and a half. Yeah. You know? What did your family, uh, what did your now husband, what did they think as you were – as you were going after, you know, these big audacious goals. Yeah. I mean, my husband was like all on board. I think being also a college athlete, like sure. he understood the grind and he actually is a really fast runner himself. He's run a 255 marathon and he does like, he like barely trains. He runs like for seven weeks and then he takes a year off, runs for seven weeks and runs 255. So he also wow. like gets running. Um, he's just, he's just really good at running. Um, so he would like run with me too, like 20 mile long runs. He'd go on with me and like keep up just fine. Or he loves being the water boy. Like he'll, you know, all of our group runs, he would like bring water at different stops if he didn't want to run like that day. He's like crewing you essentially. Yeah, totally. And so he's like all in. Um, and my family too, they flew out to Houston when I, uh, ran the qualifier and we're I, my dad's a UPS was a UPS driver and so logistically he like knows how to get places so I think they <laughs> saw me like nine times for the on the oh whole my course. gosh yeah yeah <laughs> so that was fun going back to your husband then like so you know I, I'm in the peak in the in the peak of my training I'm doing about 70 miles a week yeah. and so I mean that's that's hours away from my wife hours away from from our dog um, she is awesome with it, though, because she knows that this is my passion. has to be a huge benefit, though, for you that you're going on these training runs, you're going on these long runs, and whether it's him pacing you or him crewing you, that he's there. And so you're getting that extra bonding time together. Yes. Yeah. Actually, it was really sweet this fall. We both were training for Grandma's Marathon, and we have a toddler now. So we had friends that watched her every Saturday morning our entire build, so for like 12 weeks. Wow. And then we did our long runs together. So. That was really cool. Wow, great friends as I well. Know, we have really great friends. <laughs> uh, you you moved to Colorado to to go after the OTQ beyond like the obvious of, you know, so many good runners are in in Colorado. Was there a particular poll, and it was Boulder, right? Yep. That, that Boulder had for you. Well, so we actually went on a trip to Colorado our junior year of college, okay. and we went to Estes Park, drove through Boulder, and I had no idea it was like a running mecca at all. We just drove through, and I was like, this is a cool city. We should move here. It's a great seriously. city. And then we got back and started researching it, and we're like, wait, there's, like, a ton of elite running teams <laughs> here, and this would work out great. So it is just funny because that is where everyone is moving, but we really didn't know that at the time. Um, and then, yeah, we just – we just kind of were like, we have nothing holding us here in Minnesota. We might as well just try for a while, see how it goes. And we love it. So we've been there for six years now. Very cool. Jonathan Levitt, who joined me on the first episode of this podcast, he hosts For the Long Run. He lives in Boulder, and his joke is often like, the average runner in Boulder has a shoe sponsorship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're so just true. surrounded by, what is that like? I, I have to imagine that the competitive nature that you have it probably has brought out a little bit more. Just you're looking yeah. around, you're looking around like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, the first year we lived there, I did a turkey trot, and I got ninth. 
And my mom was like, you got nine seven turkey trot? And I was like, yes, mom. There was like Olympians here, okay? And I think I remember looking at the field, and I don't know the exact numbers, but at the Olympic trials, like 50 of the women were from Boulder. So it wow. is just like, it's nice sometimes to get out of Boulder and be like, oh, I'm like pretty good at running. We're like, when you're there, you're like, if I'm not running 90 miles a week anymore, like... I, am I even a runner? I don't know. <laughs> and so I think it is good sometimes to like get out of that. The, the Boulder bubble is what it's called sometimes, which is sure. great. I love Boulder. Um, but it is nice sometimes to come out and be like, okay, not everyone <laughs> in the world is an Olympian or, yeah. It's yeah. like if you went to work with a bunch of professional football players, like, man, everyone I know is a professional football yes. player. Nice to get away and throw the football around a little bit. And be like, oh, I'm <laughs> not comparing myself to, yeah, yeah exactly. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, so let's go back real fast. So you run grandma's, you run a 255. Yep. Um, and you're like, okay, well, now I have this goal. At what point then does that start, like, really becoming a part of the picture in terms of how you were training, how you were living? And I guess how much different was that from what you had already known in college? Yeah. So we moved out like a month later um, after that grandma's race. And I think it was like once we moved, I was like, okay, I'm in like OTQ training camp. Um, so that was kind of my goal for forever. But I do think it wasn't that hard of a transition because in college it was like, I want to be an All-American. And I had this goal and it was just it not easy, but it was, it was easy a in goal. a sense for to like have a goal and just work towards it. And I knew what it was like to do that. And so it was just like the same thing. And that was just, like, my routine. I also was working, like, part-time at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was, like, my main job to was, like, mostly running. Um, so that did help a lot, too. What was it like in terms of coaching and self-coach? Like, what, what, what did yeah, that look I, like? I ran on a team. So I, rad, I ran with Brad Hudson okay. um, for the first six or seven months that we were there and through that race. So I had teammates, and a lot of them had run faster than 245. Um, so even I remember one of my teammates, like, I did a – like a we run on a 1k loop a lot it's the celestial loop everyone in boulder knows it um but i did like a 16k tempo on that loop and my teammate actually lapped me but i was like still on pace so i think i averaged like 610 or something but she averaged like 545 so like Ooh. i'm getting lapped in my workout but i'm like looking at my watch like wait i'm actually having a good workout like this is okay so it, it was really good and helpful for me to be around people um, when I was in college, I was the fastest on my team, uh -huh. so I didn't have that a lot. And I think it was good for me to, like, have people that pulled me every single day. Um, yeah. So you get to Houston in 2018. Yep. What's the feeling as you line up on the start line? Are you thinking that this is the day, or is it this could be the day if X, Y, and Z go my way? Yeah, I, th I think I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. I had, like, some great workouts that really indicated that I could do it. And um, I had Dina Castor pacing me, mm -hmm. um, which was really cool. She, like, they sent out an email the week before, and we're like, Dina Castor is going to pace the B standard. And I was like, oh, sign me up. <laughs> so Dina had, like, a little pep talk for us the day before, and I was just like, I'm running with Dina Castor. This is so cool. So she paced us through 17 miles, and I didn't look at my watch for 17 miles. I just at wow. the back of her head um and then once she dropped out we, i still had a couple girls with me and i think we did have a little bit of a lull after that where like we had come through the half at 121 maybe so i was kind of thinking i had a lot of cushion and i do remember like the last quarter mile looking down at my watch and being like oh 
I need to like gone. sprint this in. And I looked and like my pace was like sub six for the last quarter mile. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't have as much time as I think I do. Oh. So I, but it, it felt like I remember just constantly like the last 10 K being like, Oh, I could run this slow and still yep. make it. Like I'm fine. You're doing the math in your head. Yes. Yep. Doing lots of math. And like, I felt pretty good. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What's the feeling like when you cross the finish line and it you know you did it? It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, Oh my, I remember thinking my family's going to be so stressed <laughs> because they weren't at, like I knew oh. that they had last seen me at mile 24 uh -huh, uh -huh. and like the tracker, I was like, I refresh, made refresh, it. Refresh, I need refresh. them to know I made it, but it was, it was a really sweet feeling. Is that the best feeling you've ever had after a race? After a race, 100%. Yeah. It, I think like being an All-American 10K, that was also like a pretty cool feeling in race, but this was like a little more special because it was just longer and harder, way yeah. harder. What is it like waking up the next day after that? And not so much, I mean, if you, I guess if you want to talk about your leg pain, that's fine too, but just you did it. And now it's like you're past it. I always talk about that. So I just ran Des Moines in October and my goal was uh, to, to add to my BQ buffer. And so I ran yep. a 251 high and I wake up the next day and it's always like this melancholy because it's like, it's done now. Like yeah. all of that work, all of those weeks. And it's like, it, every day it's further and further behind yes. what was that next morning like and then the next morning and the next morning no it was similar and I think too like having now I'm like okay now I have two years yeah. until the Olympic trials like so I made it but like then you still have this thing you have to run at but there's like so much time so it was kind of weird like it felt like a relief but also like a well now what like what do I do for the next two years and so what was the plan because I know you dealt with injuries right was yeah, that when that basically began basically since then oh man yeah. so what what was the plan and I guess how did it start getting you know yeah. derailed I really wanted to run sub I wanted to try and get the A standard. Mm -hmm. um, and what was that at the time? 237, okay. which is what the standard is now. Okay. And so I really was like, I think, you know, there was lots of things that I could have done better. Like I was saying the last 10K, I was just kind of doing math to see how slow I could run and still make it. So like I, there was more, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so the plan was to do a couple more marathons. I think I, I had some on the schedule and it just really never ended up happening. I had lots of injuries um like shortly after I had like a sacrum injury and then even before the trials I had plantar fasciitis for a long Ooh. time and it was just like this string of injuries for like the next two years so nothing I really planned happened how did you handle that it was hard um yeah I I it was a definitely like an identity crisis for a while I think um because I was like well what do I do if I don't have this anymore what does the runner do if she can't run yeah or like can't run what if I like don't hit all the goals I wanted to hit before the trials and then I ended up not even getting to run at the trials because I had a stress reaction in my tibia the week before oh my um, gosh so I ran three miles because I wanted to be a part of it but I like but you knew like you yeah, knew going into the I race going in like it would be silly to do oh. the whole thing um, so I did like, that was just weird, but I think then like, um, I got pregnant the next year after yeah. and that was like, uh, it was like all worth it. It was so fun. And now I'm starting to like have dreams about like running fast again. Uh -huh. But I think like, because I never had that burnout after college or that break, I think like that's kind of when it set in like, okay, I think I just need some time away. Like I still ran, but not competitively because it had been like, all of high school or like two years of high school, all of college. And then, you know, a year or two after that. And then I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I think I could like step away from this for a little while and not, not be like chasing the next goal forever. So it seems like it was 
very, a very healthy reaction to some of the things maybe going against you in the way that you wouldn't have wanted yeah, to. Yeah, yes, where I'm like, I ran, you know, three miles every other day the whole time I was pregnant. So basically, I took an entire year off. And then by that point, I was like ready to start again and excited yeah. about it. And, you know, it took a long time. Even now, I'm definitely not anywhere near where I was, but I want to be. So I like, I have the goals of like still wanting to do it. So, so you, you went into the trials. You know that you're not going to finish it. So I guess had you kind of moved on like as you get to the start line like collectively or, or was there some, I don't want to say depression, but, you know, sadness, I guess, once it got passed? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was like, it, so I had found out the week before. So like the week, wow. even the week before, I was like ready. I had like some plantar fasciitis, but it had gone away. I had some good workouts. I was like in it until like the week before is when I found out. So I feel like that wasn't even enough time to process. Like mm. if I wanted to, I don't know. And then even after the trials, I was like, okay, I want to run Chicago. Like I want to do a marathon I can finish. But then I think by that point, once I got healthy again, I was just like, actually, maybe I don't want to do another marathon. Maybe I just need to take a break from marathons for like as long as I need to. Mm -hmm. And then once I got pregnant, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be <laughs> running a marathon anytime soon. But n then I got the like urge to run one again. So, and I was just kind of waiting for that. I was like waiting to want to run another marathon. And like, even I think during my whole pregnancy, I kind of like stopped following running accounts. Like I still liked running, but I wasn't as like in Pulled it. Pulled back a little bit. And then once I like started running again, I I was like all back in. Like I've been coaching at Boulder High, and like I think I just needed a break from like all of it for yep. a minute. I know, yeah. and I've had like you know a week or two or whatever of like feeling kind of down on things. I'll I know I I'm down because I won't go on the running subreddit anymore. I'm like yeah. I, you know I haven't been on the advanced running subreddit in a in a, in a week. What's yes. going on? I should probably hop on there to see what's going right. on. Or like USA's were happening, and I was like, oh, I don't care if I watch or not. Like, uh -huh. and that's just like not me. So <laughs> it's like it's fun to to be like so excited about it again. You alluded to it. So like, do you think you're gonna chase something like that again? I I do. I'm like so I'm only. I'm 28. I'll be 29 in January. And we do want to have more kids. Mm -hmm. So my, my like plan would be to have like one more and then like have all of my thirties really to like be fast again. I have so many friends who like all PR'd in their thirties. Yep. Uh, Sarah Vaughn is one of our good friends. She has four kids and like just ran her marathon PR in her late thirties. And so that's like really inspiring to me because I'm like, okay, I have all of my thirties to like, I don't, I think just like not rushing it. Like, uh, I think, all my running career it's been like I want to be in the best shape of my life right now all the time at all the time I always want to be getting like better which like yes but it's always it's not always up up Correct. up up there's ups and downs and I think I'm like learning that more now and mm -hmm. I'm like I'm totally okay with like base running and running for fun for like a year and then knowing I can still do fast workouts and pursue races and dreams like and I still have so much time to do that. Um, so I think I, I feel more patience now and less like of a urge to be fast all the time. Were you someone when you were growing up and then into college where it was just like always a PR? Where it, yeah. Like, so you weren't really having those steps back. Right. Yeah. In, in high school, I... I like almost never had a bad race, like very few times because, you know, like when you're first getting into running, it's like high school 
boys, like freshman boys, you PR by like 40 seconds every race. Uh-huh. And because I was so new to running, that was happening to me because yeah. I was figuring out how to race and like what to do. So I, I, w- and then in college, because my mileage went up so much, like I got a lot better every year where like I was running, you know, a two mile PR through the 10K. And so I think, yeah, it was, it was hard to like hit a stop at some point. Yep. Like you're not always going to be PRing and yeah, having to like kind of like deal with that. I uh, really got into running again at the start of 2020. And so for like a while, it was only PRs. And it wasn't just that. It was like, I have a goal and I'm hitting my goal and sometimes I'm crushing it. Yeah. And this year I ran Lincoln in May and I not only didn't PR, but I missed my A goal by quite a few seconds or quite a few minutes rather. I didn't even hit my B or C goal. Yeah. And I remember just like, a lot of it was weather related, but I just remember leaving that like, this is horrible. I don't know how to process it. And yeah. it took about a month or so for me to t- truly process that like, this is okay. It's yeah. not always going to be this way. Right. Yeah. And to just like, I think in my, I'm not in my head like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to keep getting slower the rest of my life. Exactly. And I think that was the fear of like, if I'm not always getting faster, then I'm, I'm just getting slower. I'm not improving. Right. But I think now I know, like, I know how to get in shape. I know how to be faster. I'm just like, not there right now. Uh I've had some like injuries, postpartum and stuff too, that I've like, I haven't really been running more than like 30 miles a week, but I know that like I can do that Mm -hmm. and it'll be like, I have plenty of time to do it and I want to run for, you know, lifelong sport. So I think that is one cool thing about being in Boulder too, is like you see so many people in their thirties, forties, fifties, even like sixties that are still fast and training. And so I think that's just like reassuring to know that it's always there. Absolutely. Let's talk about being a mom. What's that been like? It's the best. Yeah. Yeah, It's so fun. I love being a mom. Jade is, Jade is our, she'll be two next week. Wow. Um, Yeah. But it's like life changing and so fun. It's like the funnest thing I feel like I get to do. So how has that, you've kind of hit on it a few times. Like how has that changed your relationship to running? I saw a video that you put out recently um, with your child, like, I want my kid to also want to be outdoors and I yeah. want them to fall in love with running as well. Yeah. So it is cool because I coach at Boulder High mm-hmm. and she comes to like all the meets. She's been to practice a lot um, and she loves watching people run. She runs <laughs> everywhere. Awesome. So it is sweet to watch her like get to grow up around it. And I think that's too helped me if, I, if I'm not racing super competitively, like still getting to coach and mm-hmm. like be a part of the like. PRing and um, competition and stuff. Um, but I think having Jade has changed, obviously, just like my availability to run. Sure. Like, I used to be able to, you know, <laughs> go to the gym. I could get there at five and stay till nine if I wanted to, <laughs> and do all my strength and my long run and whatever. And now it's like I have Jade and I get like 45 minutes or whatever it is to get all my stuff done. So there is just less time. Um, which I know will change. And, you know, I, like I said, we have lots of friends that help and Julian, who is my husband, like he is great and helps. And I even have had friends like put her on a bike and bike with me on a run with her in the back seat. Huh? So like we get creative and make it work, but it is like, I'm not just spending three hours at the gym yeah. doing all the little things and my runs and yeah. So that's definitely been a big adjustment. You showed some real vulnerability earlier this year on international women's day when you wrote about, you know, you, you put pictures up of you in different seasons of your life. Yeah. Um, and you, you wrote in all of these photos, I have a runner's body. Um, you mentioned the pressure of culture today. How, how, how has that been for you? I mean, like, I, I, I talk about it, you know, sometimes on the pod. I'm a white guy, you know, in my mid-30s now. Like, 
I feel like I can get through life so easily, and then I talk to a person of color, or I talk to a mom, I talk to a woman who's like, running in the morning is difficult for me. What, what, yeah. showing that vulnerability. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that, that post ultra did like a really cool campaign about yeah. like, this is a runner's body. And I think we do get so many comments of like, oh, that person has a runner's body. And it's like, well, if you run, you have a runner's body, yep. which I think is really cool. But yeah, I definitely was like pretty underweight when I was running in college and had to gain some weight to have Jade, um, and be healthy. And it was like a huge adjustment, very different than like what I've ever been used to and uncomfortable, but I've definitely gotten more used to it and just know like, yeah, you can't be severely underweight and be healthy and have kids. It seems like then, I mean, that's real great role model for, for her. Yeah. And I think, too, just with coaching, obviously, like, there's just so many body image um, things that girls go through. So it's, like, for Jade and setting an example for her and then also the high schoolers that I coach. And I think we we see a lot of that. And I think it's not good, but it is good that I've been through some of that. Yeah. So I can, like, speak speak to it for the girls and just encourage them and yeah, we talk a lot about nutrition and eating enough. And I'm like, I wish I knew a lot of that in high school. Because for me, it wasn't like I I never have had an eating disorder. But like, I definitely under fueled just because I didn't know. Like, uh-huh. I didn't know how to eat the healthy fats and like how feeling like. So it is cool to be able to speak into that for my high school girls. Because I do have some experience and knowledge from just going through it. Why uh, Why did you get into coaching? So my friend Gio, he's the head coach at Boulder High. He goes to our church in Boulder and he was just telling me that they, you know, need We were talking about the girls and Sarah Vaughn, like I was saying, her daughter's on the team. So I was like kind of following her a little bit and talking to Sarah and Gio and Gio said that they needed help. And he was like, are you interested? Yes, I am. Um, So I started last year, last fall was my first um, season doing it. And I just had a blast. And so this year we just wrapped up state last weekend. And it, it's just so fun. So that's how I got started. Is it something you think you're going to do like long term? I definitely want to. Awesome. I think it's like it's it once you start to, you know, like I want to see all the freshmen from last year be seniors. And then we got new freshmen this year. So I feel like it would be something that's just so hard to give up because you want to see the girls every fall. I mean, it's definitely a big time commitment um, just with being a mom and um, other things, but it's worth it. It's super fun. What do you think the job is of like a running coach? Because, you know, like in like football or whatever, it's like developing and like calling the plays. Running, of course, is so different because there's not a play. It's just, you know, you're kind of out there by yourself. You got to figure it out pace wise. Yeah. So what, what, what do you, what do you think your role is before a race? And then I guess even during a race? Yeah. Uh, we have like multiple coaches and Gio does a lot of the training, which like I've written training and stuff, but he's like the mastermind behind all of that. So people always say like, congrats. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> I did not do anything with the training. Um, but I do, I run with the girls a lot. So I get to like talk to them. Um, you know, uh, so much of running is like your mind yep. and mentality and mindset. So we like, I think I do more of that. Like I talk to the girls about their emotions and you know we talk every day on runs you know how when you're on a run with people just you get closer than if you do anything else and so I feel like I get to know the girls really well just by running with them and working hard with them Um, I do some of their workouts with them when I can and then yeah I think during races it's just a lot of like getting them out of their heads like I think sometimes there's just so much pressure and they feel so nervous and that's when they have a bad race so it's just like before a race kind of trying to get them out of their heads which is like all of us sure yeah and it seems like i mean 
the older I get, I'm 35 now, the, the, the further away the younger generation. I feel like I've turned into an old man very, very quickly. Yeah, what yeah. is it? What is like, what is this generation like? What, no, what, are, what are high school kids like today? It is true. My first year of coaching, I was like, when's the last time I've talked to like a 14-year-old? <laughs> you know, because I have a little toddler, uh-huh, so uh-huh. she's got friends, and then all of my friends are in their late 30s or early 30s, late 20s. Um, so it was like an adjustment of like, okay, these kids are 14 years old. Um, but I think just like, like having normal conversations with them and just asking questions, like how you get to know anybody, mm-hmm. but like asking really good questions. And, um, our team is great. They're really hard workers. They love each other. Like it's hard not to like want to show up for them really well all the time. Cause they're just such good kids. And they like, so I think that makes it easier too. They just really love each other and they work really hard. Good. So yeah. going back to you as a runner, I believe you did sign up for grandma's this last year, but you did, yes. did you not run or? <laughs> yeah, I, I got plantar fasciitis again in my other foot. So oh. <laughs> it was in my left foot in 2020 and this time it was in my right foot, which was such a bummer. So I was planning on doing it mm-hmm. and so was my husband. And, and he, he ran it, right? Yeah, he actually originally, his plan was to beat my PR. <laughs> which I think he could do because he's run a 255, like I said, off of like seven weeks of training. Crazy. But he has like, he works a lot. He, we have like a lot of responsibilities just like in our community and working. And so he was like on pace to run super fast, like through April, I would say. But then he kind of got an injury and May like end of April, May and June, he ran once a week going into the race. And like, he did not exercise the other six days. So like he ended up running a 323, but I'm like, he literally did six runs from like April to June. So (laughs) he did not beat my PR, thankfully. (laughs) Um, And then I ended up just, I had a friend who wanted to break four. So I ran with him through the half. And then I kind of just like found my parents at mile 16. Yeah. I was like, I just don't think I can make it 10 more miles. It started hurting at like mile eight. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this just isn't worth it, which was a bummer. But I think it did make me be like, it it made me think, okay, I want to do another marathon, but I yeah. want, I don't think I want to do another marathon until I know I can like go for breaking three hours. You kind of want to do it on your own terms. Yeah. And I don't want to just do it. Like, I don't want to say slow, but yeah. like, I don't want to just like jog. Yeah. I want to like, if I'm doing another marathon, I want to try to break three hours. So when do you think that'll be? I want to do Chicago. Um, have you ever, and you haven't ran that one, I right? have never run Chicago. I've done it twice. Yes. And I'm like watching everyone. I was like, okay, I think I want my next race to be Chicago. I don't know that it'll be the next Chicago, but mm-hmm. I think the next time I do a marathon, I want to do the Chicago marathon and just try to break three. I think like my big long-term goal, I think it'd be really fun to try to break three at all the world marathon majors, um, which I have lots of time to do, like mm-hmm. I said. So I maybe in a couple of years and when we're done having kids that's probably when I'll do my next marathon I love I love that answer for a few reasons first of all Chicago's where I broke three for the first time cool. so it's always going to hold a special place in my part uh, my long-term goal and I've only done I've only done Chicago is to do all of the world majors cool. I thought I was going to do Boston next year but I missed the uh, my buffer you did 16 it. seconds no. so I, I had 513 in my back pocket I needed 529 uh. but in Des Moines I just added eight more minutes so I should be okay you should be good. for 2020 I want to do New York for my 40th uh, in five years. And then, and then I don't know what I'll do for the worldwide yeah. ones. For, and then who knows? There might even be, you know, there's talk of a seventh I know, I've in heard the world that. majors yeah. popping up at some point in time. Yeah. So I love that answer. I hope that you're able to do that in Chicago. Uh, I read a quote from you from a few years back where you said, I think it was like 
What advice would you tell people? And you said, do the work. Sometimes training gets hard and you don't want to do it. Show up every day and get through the workout, whether it's great or not. You'll add money to the training bank and it will show dividends. And I love that because, you know, we hear about like brick by brick, but I know other people talk about just make small deposits. Yeah. Make the small deposits. Is that something that, that you still lean on or that you try to embark to your, to your team? Totally. Yeah. I think even now, like I said, I'm not like, I'm not running 90 miles a week like I used to, but I am running like 30 miles a week and doing some workouts, but I'm still doing all of my strength stuff because it's stuff I can do when Jade's sleeping or whatever. And so I think that even is like, even though it might not seem like it, it is still putting money in the bank because it's still my body, like doing the muscle memory, doing the runs and mentally even doing all of it. Um, So I think that is really important. Just and it doesn't have to be a lot. Maybe some days it's just like a penny or a quarter, mm-hmm. but it's still it's still building. So how would you describe your current relationship with running? I think um, it's like my free time. Like it was like mm. a lot of people ask if I run with a stroller and I don't. I don't take Jade on my runs. It's like my one hour a day to like run with friends and have like an undistracted conversation or just be by myself or listen, catching up on my podcast, whatever. So I think, yeah, right now my relationship with running is just my time to like exhale and my free time. Along those lines, what is your favorite part about running? And mm-hmm. I guess you kind of just answered it there. Yeah. I think also just the, um, the simple, so the simplicity of it. I've always loved that. Like, uh, anytime I go on vacation, a trip, all I have to bring is my running shoes and I yeah. can get my workout in. Um, I love like exploring new places with my feet. Like I love going on runs in new places and I, I will be driving around later and be like, oh, I ran here. I know where everything <laughs> is. Um, so I think that's one of my favorite things about running. So I finish every podcast by asking my guests about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something or it could just be a feeling. Sam Calderon, what are you chasing? I think I'm chasing having running the like having a goal for running, a big goal. Um, I haven't had like a huge goal for running in a couple of years and I want to have that again. Um, but I like don't know what it is yet. So I'm chasing having the goal, but I don't have the goal, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Sam Calderon, thanks for joining me on Chasing 3 Hours. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Thanks again to Sam Calderon for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Pink Gorilla for having me at the Good Life Haves the Expo in early November. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me as I write about my experiences out on the running trail, races, and a whole lot more. Email me at Chasing3Hours at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend.